in Romans chapter 1. Today's topic is called No Excuses. Romans chapter 1. This is a verse, the section we know, and we, I guess, think about when we talk about witnessing to those who are unsaved. It says in chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against un- all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in righteous- unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So, you know, man without excuse. Um, you know, people might say, well, I didn't know, it doesn't really matter. The Bible says man is without excuse. Um, Romans talks about the words of words of God going all over the world. Isaiah talks about that, even by the stars and all the things around the great greatness of God's creation. People ought to believe in God, and so mankind is without excuse. Even in one time when I guess it was Paul and Barnabas preaching, and they said he he hath not left himself without witness, and that he gave us food from heaven and gladness in our hearts and so forth. You know, so many times God, God's word indicates that man is without excuse. They ought to believe in God. Well, true, yes, that is, that's what the word of God says. Now, First Samuel chapter 15. What I want to look at today was not particularly that. We understand that, that man is without excuse. But what I want to look at today was that as believers, we also are without excuse. 1 Samuel chapter 15. In verse 1, you know this record. Let's read a bit of it. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus shalt Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. So God's you know direction via Samuel, very clear. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 footmen, and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. So get out of the way, essentially. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou come to shore that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul, so in verse 8 it says, it was Saul who did this, and verse 9 it says, But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings 
and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they utterly destroyed. So, you know, rather clear that he didn't do exactly what God had called him to do. Verse 10, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. That's quite a lot of grief, isn't it? He cried unto the Lord all night that Saul had not obeyed God. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him a place and is gone about, and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what meaneth this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? He shouldn't have heard that because he had asked him to destroy everything utterly. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. This statement by him here is, is, you know, symptomatic of an extremely, I think, serious issue in life that exists. And a lot of times we, you know, we as believers living, doing our best to live God's word in this culture that we currently are in, we need to be aware of the pushes and pulls of society and the things that are around us that could possibly have an impact on our stand for the one true God. Here he says, you know, he, he confronts Saul, is confronted by Samuel, and goes, well, well, how come, you know, I'm hearing this? And he said, they did this, you know, the people did this and all this. You know, the victim mentality is a huge problem in the world today. Nobody is accountable for anything anymore. You know, and you might you might think, well, I see that, but you know what? That can have a real impact on our stand for God and His Word. We can fall into the same kind of thing pattern that Saul might have fallen into here. Well, I, I know what he said, but you know, people wanted something. We'll see. That's what he does. But he refuses to admit initially that it was his fault. Who was the king? Saul. Right? Was was he able to do that which God had called him to do? And that's going to be key here in this. Was he able to do that which God had asked him to do? Absolutely. He, he's, he's the one who chose to spare the king and spare the, the sheep and so forth. Let's keep reading. And the second part here, you know, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. Yeah, we did it for a good reason, you know, to really, you know, you should be. It's, it's, and the, the interesting thing here is he goes to, unto the Lord your God. I thought he was Saul's God too. Right. Well, that's what he says. In other words, you know, again, we, we don't want to get too much into the, you know, the religious aspects here, but anyhow, let's keep, let's keep going. 
Verse, and the rest we've already destroyed, just in case you're wondering. Verse 16, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine, in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. He said, Don't you know that when you were made king, you didn't think you were able to do it. That, that, that's little in thine own sight. Remember, he hid among the furniture, right? He didn't even want to be. He goes, don't, don't, I told you that God would. God is the one who chose you. He would bless you. He's the one who brought you here. You know, as if to say, well, is he, he's not going to allow you to fall. It was God who put you here. Do you remember that, Sam, Saul? And the Lord sent thee, verse 18, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? You know, you want to talk about accountability? Here's accountability. You were told to do this. You had the means to do it. It's God who told you to do it. It's God is the one who brought you here. So now why didn't you do that which God called you to do? You know, and you can come up with a number of reasons. A number of reasons. Well, you know, my parents were unkind to me when I was a kid. You know, the taxes are so high. The government's very, very, you know, abusive these days. You can you can make a list as long as your arm, right? Like how many things you can come up with, reasons as to why you wouldn't do that which you know is right to do. Well, he does, a little bit of that. Verse 19. But didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. He calls it evil, not to do what God asked him to do. Watch the Watch the words that Samuel uses here about not obeying the voice of the Lord. They're very serious. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. You see, when it comes to the word of God, close enough is not good enough. Either you do the word of God or you don't. He goes, well, I've just tried. I did it, I did it, but, but Amalek, you know, he's just the king, and everybody knows that when God gives a, a, a command, we ought to you know, at least think for ourselves also. But the people, verse 21, not my fault, I didn't do it, I, I was abused as a child. The spoil, sheep and oxen, they took this, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and guilt. Don't you see? We're going to sacrifice. You're going to join us, Samuel? I can just see Samuel shaking his head. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. You know, you could spend several hours just talking about that verse. People, you know, we anybody, we can all do this. We can all put on a show of belief, believing but God knows. God knows the heart, our heart. God knows the heart of man. Yeah, you can do all the things you want to. You can, you know, you can go to all the fellowships and take all the classes and you know, sign all whatever you can do in life. But God knows your heart. God knows my heart. He knows where in Him we live and move, have, have our being. He knows us. 
I can't, I might be able to fake you out, but I can't fake God out. Yeah, sure. Yeah, nice, nice thought, you know. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe sacrifices is a good reason to not abate, no. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very telling record. And Samuel said, verse 20, 23, now here, he called it evil now. Look what else he calls it. For rebellion, he calls it rebellion, not obey the word of God, is as a sin of witchcraft. And we all know how bad witchcraft is, right? And here he equates it. And stubbornness, he calls it stubbornness. So evil, rebellion, like witchcraft, and its stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. It goes on. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. So it's a rejection of God. It's idolatry. It's, it's a, lot of, a lot of pretty serious words here, aren't there? In other words, he's telling him, you don't have an excuse for not obeying the word of the God, word of the Lord. I mean, he could have said, you know, if, if a thousand people trampled you to death and beat you over... No, he had God with him. He had the ability to do it. And yet he still chose not to do it. Um, let's keep reading. For, so, for uh, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words. You should have stopped there. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Don't you know? Don't you know what it's like to be king of Israel? Don't you understand? I was afraid and obeyed their voice. Again, you know, it's because of this. Well, you don't know what kind of life I live. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what so-and-so in my life is like. Don't you know what's going on? God says here, I was with you, Samuel. Saul, I was with you. I'm the one who made you where you, where you are. I asked you to do this. You could have done this, but you didn't do it. And there's no excuse, and we'll see, we'll see why. Exodus chapter 3. See more of why there's no excuse. Exodus chapter 3. You know the record when Moses is, sees the burning bush and he turns aside to take a look at it, and God speaks to him out of the burning bush, and Moses walks over to it. And in verse 10, he says in chapter 3 of Exodus, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And he and Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I will be with thee. That is a theme for all the, all the records in God's word, where you see God asking His people to do something. I will be with you. So he's asking Moses to do this, and I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people of Israel, out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I came unto the children of Israel, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Um, as we know, you know, in, in the light of I will be whatever I need to be. Um, and in chapter 4, verse 
10. And Moses said unto the Lord, and this is after he, God had helped him and encouraged him a little bit and had him do a few miracles to, to help Moses. Verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. I, I, can't, I can't do this. You know, as long as we only ever look at our own ability when God asks us to do something or we see something from God in His Word, if we only ever look at our own ability to do that, we will make excuses. Because of my own ability, I can't, I can't, we can't, I can't carry out the things that God would have me to do or, you know, you, you can't do it. And, you know, here Moses, he, he's saying, I, I can't speak well. You know me, you know, I can barely, you know, Tell a story to my children or whatever, and I can't speak very well. I'm not eloquent. I don't know all the. I don't. Know, I don't have the vocabulary. And the Lord said unto him, "I love it. Who hath made man's mouth? What a great response! I just told you that I was going to be with you, and you said you can't speak well. Well, who the heck do you think made man's mouth? Um, it's a great. Who hath made man, or who maketh the dumb or deaf or seeing or the blind have not of the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth. You see, God is not going to tell him to do something that he has to rely on his own ability to do it. He said, "I will be with you. I will. I made your mouth, and I will even be with your mouth." See, that's why there's no reason. There's no excuse. Because if it was a matter of, well, so-and-so has greater abilities than me, you know, and, you know, he's taken 16 courses of this and that, how can I possibly do what? No, God is the one who asks us to do His Word. God is the one who empowers us. It's God. And with that, there's really, there's really no excuse. And he said, O oh my Lord, and I will teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O oh my Lord, Send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send, and so forth. And then, you know, then God helps him along with Aaron, and so forth. Look at, uh, let's go to Job chapter 38, please. Job chapter 38. You know, I think, don't we want to be men and women who take a stand for God? God? regardless of the circumstances. I don't want to use society and the things and the pressures of life that are going on around us all the time as a reason or an excuse not to stand for the one true God. That would be foolish. That would be like me admitting, well, God is just not strong enough. God is just not able enough. God can't get me out of this, and I don't have the ability. And, and that's not where you want to be. Remember, remember, remember the record of Job. You all know the record of Job. And Job was a wonderful man, and some bad things happened to Job. And you know, his wife said, you know, again, curse God and die because of all things that have happened to you. And then his miserable comforter friends come along, and they give you, there's chapter after chapter of reasons as to why this happened, or, or why Job couldn't get out of this, or why, you know, it was because you're, you're, you're sinned too much. It's because you have this in your life and because you don't... All these reasons that are given, excuses, if you will, as to why all this happened. And after all of that, 
Elihu came along, comes along, and what does he talk about? He talks about the majesty of the Almighty God. And he says, God is all-powerful. And, this is, and when, when God himself speaks, in, in, look in, in chapter 38, look what he says, verse 1. And the Lord, after all this stuff, answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsels my, by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer me. Where were, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. You know, when God gives his word, there's no reason for us not to be able to believe it. After all the excuses and things these men laid out, you can read them all, I'm sure you've read them. God's response to them is, don't you know who I am? You know, and, and what does Job say later on? He goes, I heard about you, but now I see you. You know, That's God's response to him. You want to carry things, you want to live with, just recognize who I am. You know, when, when Saul was complaining, he said, Didn't, wasn't that God who gave you that position? And Moses said, who, who, well, I can't, don't you know that I made your mouth? You see, it's, it's, it's time and time again. I will be with you. I am with you. The only time I'm going to make an excuse is if, if I just think it's me. And, and, you know, and sometimes God asks you to do things, which a lot of times where it is way beyond your ability to do it. And then you can try to equate your ability to things that God have asked you to do and recognize your fall, you're going to fall short every time. Because if we didn't need a Savior, you know, we could have just done it on our own. But when we recognize that it's He who made the mouth of man, it's He who, you know, is our strength, it's He who's our shield, it's He who's our shield and buckler, it's Him who has empowered us, then maybe we'll not tend to make excuses in situations. Look at Romans chapter 14, please. I don't want to make excuses. I do. I don't want to. Romans 14. Verse 11. Actually, maybe we'll read verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Is this going to happen? Is this the truth? Or is it just some suggestion? It says, someday, every one of us shall give account of himself. Is anybody going to be standing beside you when this happens? Well, you know that day when you asked me to, well, you know, my wife here, she was been a real pain that day and I couldn't do it, you know, or, you know, you know when I, that day you asked me, well, you know, I, yeah, you know what it's like, pressures of life, the government, the things that were going on, our taxes were tripled that day, the carbon tax was tripled. I just couldn't get to that. No, and, I, and we understand, this is not for judgment, this is for reward, right? We know that, we know that when we appear before the Lord, it is not for Him to criticize, it is because we've already been judged in Christ. But we will give an account. 
for reward. That's this is going to happen. We're this we're think about it. You know, sometimes I read this verse and go, okay, that's interesting. Maybe I want to think a little bit more about the situations in life that I that I know to do God's word and I didn't do it. Or I made an excuse to myself why I couldn't do it. Again, not judgment to condemnation, judgment unto reward, but there is an impact. My excuses are not going to hold any water here. Look at second Corinthians chapter 5, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, and it's not, and it's not wrong to, you know, to seek some kind of solace in the things of the world. I mean, you know, the government protects you and it's nice to be in your husband and wife relationship there's a comfort there and all these things children look to their parents for help no that's perfectly fine but when it becomes the entire girder of who we are that's a problem right and that's a problem i don't if if i'm going to blame the government for my inability to do god's word uh, that's more fool me if i'm going to blame somebody in my family or you know, I, I, we will look at the Second Corinthians five before I keep jabbering on here. Verse ten: For we must all appear, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So when we appear before him, and this is going to happen, is there the possibility? that some of the things that we've done were bad. Yeah? It, it says good or bad, right? There's, there, there's a possibility. Do we lose our salvation? Absolutely not. That's, that's the opposite. So there, but there is, a, there is a giving account, and we will all give an account. That's what it says. That's what God's Word says. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Every man is accountable you know, I started by saying that sometimes the, you know, the impacts of society and the things that are happening around us can have an impact on our stand for God. And it's absolutely true. Uh, you know, and if you allow that stuff to creep into your life, you know, the more you start pointing fingers at all the things around you for your inability, my inability to do something or my lack of believing or whatever. I can do that, you know, and we're, we're, we're masters at coming up with reasons for not to do something, right? I can generate an excuse on the spot faster than you can blink an eye, right? But see, accountability is accountability. And the world, you know, again, a lot of the pressures of light, things happening these days, people don't want to be accountable for anything. People complain about living in some of the nicest places on the face of the earth, People complain about everything. You know, Second Timothy chapter 1, written at a time, you know, when the church was having some difficulty, as we know. And Paul wrote this by revelation to the young Timothy. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. It must have been a blessing for Timothy to read that. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord, both of them. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers, 
and with, with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. Why? Huh, things going on. That I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith or genuine believing that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Now what a wonderful, wonderful letter to Timothy. You know, I remember you, Timothy, you, you know, you, you believed God genuinely, you were taught that. Verse 6, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. He wrote this to Timothy. Timothy, you know, young Timothy, do what God has empowered you to do, encouraged you to do. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if I, you know, remember the record, Samuel? I feared the people. Well, if I allow fear into my life, it's not God who has sent that. I'm allowing the fear of the world to impact my decision to be able to believe God or not believe Him in a situation. So Paul writes by revelation, you know, Timothy, you, you know, you, you were raised with genuine believing. You know, you know what you, you've been able to do. Now, don't be afraid. Do that which you know you can do. Because it's not God who gave us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You have the ability to carry out what God has called you to do. And here, now we're looking at the New Testament, where we have God on our side, and we have the Lord Jesus Christ to fight our battles for us as well, who takes care of the church. Keep reading. Verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. As don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You, you, you deal with the things that come your way through your own ability? No, by the power of God. Don't be afraid. And he says, don't be ashamed. These are all, these are all very strong temptations and excuses that we may use in our lives and not serve God. Well, I'm afraid. I was speaking to a gentleman last week. Um, you know, we were just talking about children. And the question we were talking about was, how do you teach your children to not stand out in the world, these younger children, and, be, and, and feel like they're uh, outcasts and weird because they believe in Jesus Christ? It's a good question. You know, and you, 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 can, you can be ashamed of who you are. And here, Timothy, right, you know, right in Timothy, don't be afraid. God isn't, that's not coming from God. And don't be ashamed of the testimony. Don't be ashamed of the word of God. But you can be, can't you? Because when you speak God's word, you stick out like a sore thumb because nobody else generally at that time is speaking it or saying the things you're saying. So, uh, verse 9, Who hath saved us and called us by holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the ages, before the, t the beginning of the ages, but now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, 
and an apostle and a teacher. For the which cause I also suffer these things, because he was these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Despite the fact that these things come my way, I am not ashamed. Because despite the fact that he was suffering, Paul says, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day, or more literally, guard the deposit entrusted unto me until that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Spirit, which dwelleth in us. Now listen to this. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. So, how do you expect me to do God's word when everybody keeps going away from me? How can I possibly serve the Lord when people won't even stand with me anymore? Oh, woe is me. Look at the problems that happened to me. I was thrown in the water. I was killed a couple of times. I was beaten a few times. Stripes on my back. I got to care for all. How do how you possibly expect me to go on and do this? Did he say that? Could Paul have said, I can't do this? Yeah, he could. He could have said, I can't, I can't handle this. What does he say? Let's keep reading a second here. This thou knowest, all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. He must have broke his heart. Of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Anisiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found him. He had to work hard to find the Apostle Paul, but he did it. He walked, went out, found him, found out what prison he was in, so he could bless the Apostle. He was not ashamed. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. We'll close in Second Timothy chapter 4, please. Paul could have come up with a thousand excuses for not doing what he was being called to do. People didn't stand with him. Sometimes he had much, sometimes he didn't have very much. But why? What was the reason that he didn't make the excuse? Well, it's pretty clear. Chapter 4, 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all forsook me. Look at this prayer. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. See, it's that theme, that same theme time and time again. Saul, it was God who called you. It was God who called you. God is the one who told you that you didn't have to rely on your ability. So why didn't you do what you were told to do? Well, I was afraid and pressure and all this. Well, you know, Moses, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I don't have a... Well, who makes, who makes your mouth, Moses? Didn't I say that I would be with you? Yeah. Job, well, all these excuses. Don't you know who I am, Job? Don't you understand who I am? See, it's time and time again. And here, Paul, you know, all the things that he went through, writing to Timothy, look, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. You can do what God has called you to do, and he tells you exactly why. He goes, no man stood with me. Now, this is pretty, you know, this is pretty serious here. Very few left with Paul at the end of his life. No man stood with me, but he says, the Lord stood with me and delivered me from every evil work. Sorry, I'm in the wrong, 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 wrong verse. Verse 17. And strengthened me. He stood with me and strengthened me 
that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And amen to that. No excuses when it comes to serving God because we know who stands with us.